You're listening to The Jeff MacArthur Show. I'm Pei Chen, filling in for Jeff today. Uh, it's the news that so many of us have been waiting for. Uh, a lot of businesses like restaurants and gyms were finally able to reopen with full capacity this weekend. But was it actually business as usual? I've got John Sinopoli uh, joining me. He's the executive chef and co-owner of Ascari Hospitality Group, also the co-founder of SaveHospitality.ca. Hi, John. Hi, Pei. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, I'm always um, happy to chat with you about uh, the hospitality industry in the city and also the work that you've done with um, Save Hospitality. But let's start off with this being the uh, first weekend that you're able to fully reopen at full capacity. Uh, What was it like for you and your restaurants? It was great. It was uh, nice to have a return to some semblance of normalcy. Of course, you know, there's still some restrictions with masking, which we think is fine, and, and, and vaccine uh, checking, which is, I, we think, still necessary. But at the same time, without having to, like, work with 50% of our capacity to be able to fill those seats was a very welcome development. Now, February is, I mean, it's generally, it's a little bit of a quiet month. So how do you try to, you know, keep and build momentum going forward to try and, you know, get butts into those seats and to make sure that uh, you're able to pay your staff, stay in business, um, hopefully go upward from here? Yeah, that's a great question. We definitely experienced a bit of a post-Valentine's Day hangover midweek. And I think uh, our volumes at our three restaurants over the weekend got a lot better, which was great. Uh, We still think there's some hesitancy out there with people who aren't for sure 100% wanting to go back into restaurants at full capacity yet. You know, I think warmer weather and some sunshine and a little bit of time and watching the trends will hopefully mitigate those challenges. Yeah, it's, it's, it's part of the, the challenge is that even though we're in the middle of February, it's a tough time for restaurants in general. As soon as they lifted all the restrictions, of course, we didn't qualify for any more government subsidies or grants from that day forward. So part of the motivation of the government and removing the restrictions also like triggering a removal of all the grant subsidies and supports. So while restaurants, of course, through now and into the spring, are still going to need help, um, we're now on our own. So it really is a challenge. You got to really manage your costs and and do a good job of predicting business, which can be a ch- can be very difficult. And then, of course, in the same breath, you have to start hiring and staffing up for upcoming patio season. We all know hiring and making new hires and training people is uh, a, uh, the newest challenge mm-hmm. in the past couple of years that our industry has faced. Let's talk about that a little bit, because what happened during the pandemic was uh, when restaurants were forced to close, a lot of people, they they had to look for other work. So that may be that they are, they've chosen different fields to work in. And so they never return back to working in restaurants. Uh, for others, one the ones who lived in expensive cities like Toronto realized, well, the cost of living is so high, I'm going to get out of the city. Like I know so many people who moved out east, particularly, or just somewhere else where it didn't cost as much to have a roof over their head. And then there were those um, that I even know personally who wanted to keep working in hospitality, but with the constant closing, opening, closing, opening, they were always, it was, I'm unemployed, I'm unemployed, I'm employed. And that's extremely stressful. So when you were able to rehire, and like you said, you've got three restaurants, and you put the call out, the first time you put the call out, um, were you thinking, everyone's going to come back? Um, 
But then it it happens, you know, one too many times. And uh, what I've heard from restaurant owners is that it has been a challenge to find good staff. Yeah, I think you kind of really nailed a lot of the causes of our current staffing challenges. The the opening, closing, the un like the, the unpreparedness of government and the, the lack of support of the industry created a situation where we just couldn't keep as many people on staff as we wanted. The the high cost of living in Toronto, of course, contributes to that factor. And really now what we're dealing with is um, not only is it a challenge to hire staff and get the number of people we want in, because like you said, a lot of people have moved away. We lost one general manager who moved his family to Halifax purely out of a cost of living scenario where he's like, I can go buy a house for next to nothing there comparatively. Right. Yes. And so we, we lost a, a, a bunch of people um, to that kind of thinking. And other people who just decided, Hey, I'm changing course. I'm changing path. I'm going to go retrain and do something else in a different industry that is not subject to all of this uncertainty. So what's left basically is us have really good staff, really enthusiastic staff, but, Definitely staff that are more green, less seasoned, uh, less experienced. Uh, we lost a lot of experienced people or because of the new opportunities, with a lot of people leaving, people with experience have moved up and like gotten promoted or gotten uh, like larger opportunities in other places. So uh, it's really created a, a problem that has forced us as a company to increase our upper management and our, our management supports for all of our leaders and to really rethink what it means to have training programs and, and uh, you know, constant supervising and support of everyone uh, along, along the path of chain of command because you just don't have the years of experience under people's belts that you used to in certain positions. And when you think of supply and demand in terms of employees, so, you know, there is, like you said, patio season, everyone's going to be hiring for uh, extra servers and staff. Uh, are there, is it just harder to get someone in at, you know, minimum wage or just above minimum wage because they have so many other places they can choose from? Yeah. Like, like uh, other than our serving staff, we don't pay anybody minimum wage because you wouldn't be able to hire anybody. Um, and frankly, it's really not enough for people to live on in this city. So, um, you know, servers make significant tips so that their new minimum wage is actually a huge salary burden on restaurants and small business. And so, you know, we took the punches and we're just like retooling and and figuring out the strategy, but you're right. Like you have to be competitive, not only with wage, but with culture and with support and with training and with professional development. What our goal is, is to create an industry. And this is like not just our company, but you know, the work we do with Save Hospitality and all the people that we come to the table, the stakeholders we come to the table and discuss the industry with, we want to create an industry that has a higher level of professionalism, a higher level of structure and support. We want young people coming out of high school or college to see the hospitality and restaurant industry as a properly professionalized career path that they can see growth and development in an industry where they don't have to put on a tie necessarily and sit at a desk and work nine to five, where they can have different kind of lifestyle and really be people, people and enjoy making other people happy and gain the skills and, and the, uh, 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 and the, and have a sense of accomplishment of going through a proper, uh, 
channels of training. And I think that it's incumbent on all small business restaurant owners to try to do better in that regard. And that's really what's going to keep people around because as we know, younger people, whether it be millennials or Gen Zs, I mean, all the research points, the job satisfaction is their number one um, motivator after pay. So of course the pay has to be enough. It has to be solid, it has to be good, but also people want to work at a place where they're spoken to with respect and where the, the the owners and the management care about their learning and professional development. And I think that's a culture shift within the restaurant industry as well that we've seen in recent years. Um, let's ch- chat very quickly about food costs because, you know, we sure. constantly hear about um, you know, supply chain issues, <clears throat> um, but just in general, uh, the cost of for restaurants to be able to put out of pasta or that burger um, that has changed and it's very challenging to suddenly raise your prices 30 40 percent right yeah it's next to impossible to raise prices of that of that eight but really that's what's required for us to make up that gap and you're, you're right I mean the, the number the one thing restaurants talk about the most right now is the price of canola oil that you know, only two years ago was about somewhere twenty three to twenty five dollars for a sixteen liter container. Now it's closer to fifty dollars. Wow. So we're seeing we're seeing actual the doubling of prices of certain things. And not only food costs, but equipment. If you need to buy a new fridge or a piece of equipment or upgrade something, those costs of capital investments for our business have also doubled. Doubled. Like I had to buy a two door freezer that Three years ago would have cost me four thousand dollars and it cost eight thousand. And well and, and and no one wants to pay more than the twenty two bucks for burger and fries or whatever you're paying at your local spot. But honestly it costs way more than that to put on the plate these days. Not only the beef, not only the you know, the raw cost of food product, which we all know just from going to the grocery store we've seen skyrocket. That doesn't change for restaurants. Yes, we pay wholesale prices, but we we still see those increases. And and just like the basic things to make your restaurant run now cost us way more. So we've had to raise our prices, but we try to do it gradually and intelligently in a way that doesn't give people sticker shock. And uh, unfortunately, as wages continue to go up too, uh, the, co- the real cost of eating out changes. And to be frank, I think it's a good thing for society to see that, that food is not a cheap commodity. It's, it's not. And I think eating out is also a, a privilege. Um, John, we're out of time. I appreciate everything that you've shared with us. Thank you so much. Um, Thanks, it's John Sinopoli, executive chef and co-owner of Ascari Hospitality Group, also the co-founder of SaveHospitality.ca. I'm Paige Chen, and you're listening to The Jeff MacArthur Show. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. <laughs> and Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.